Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists like us answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetics industry. This is episode 272. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is the most famous joggler, Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hello, Valerie. So good to be here. Good I to see you. It's so been a gla- little while. I'm so glad to be back and take a break from work to spend time with our listeners. On today's show, we're going to cover why isn't a product with GHK popper pep popper? Popper? Yeah. <laughs> GHK copper peptide blue. How can a product have HA as the first ingredient? Whoa. HA is hyaluronic acid. And what sure. do we think of the IGK high shine gloss? Lots of acronyms on the show today. What do we think about skin laundry and are there other products like it? And finally, what is the deal with anti-graying solutions for hair? I'm assuming that's anti-graying hair. Ingredients that make hair anti-gray, they're against gray. They don't like it. You know, I recently went home and saw my brother. And the first thing my brother says to me is like, hey, what's with all the gray hair? Now, (laughs) if you've seen my hair, I got like a couple of gray ones coming off on the... Like you hardly have any. I know. (laughs) My older brother loves to hassle me (laughs) about everything. Oh man, how much gray does he have? He doesn't have really any, except he has a facial beard and his beard is full of gray hair. Well, Which is why, mm. incidentally, why I don't wear a beard, but besides the fact that it's itchy and I don't like that, but uh, when it grows in, like I have a lot of gray hairs, and I'm like, it just makes me look old. You know, I'd love to have a gray-haired beard. Right now, I just have little black hairs, and it's such a hassle <laughs> to shave or get waxed. I just, every day. <laughs> Man. Well, Valerie, uh, we, we kicked off the inane chit-chat before the segment started, so <laughs> how else are you doing? Oh. Now, I saw you... You had uh, an event with your ingredient company uh, last weekend. How'd that go? I did. I did. There is a woman who has been on the DIY community circuit for quite a long time. I actually consider her one of the OG formulators, Susan Barclay Nichols. She runs her blog, Swift Crafty Monkey. And, you know, it's really just incredible the amount of knowledge she has surmassed as a, I'll call it an independent formulator, somebody who's self-taught in how to work with ingredients, how to use them. And it was really cool to see the things that she's into. I talked about some of the stuff I'm into recently. And it was just really a nice break from, from you know, the ordinary type stuff and just to hear what other people are interested in. Collaboration is is so huge in the industry, just to connect with other people and see what they're into and going through and, and challenges they're having. I love it. Yeah, you know, I when I started doing a online course teaching people how to formulate my my mentality was always to like people who are in college with chemistry degrees how do you get in the cosmetic industry and then i kind of learned that there's a huge number of people online who just want to make cosmetics in their home <laughs> which i don't you know as being an industry person i am left with thinking i always have the thought like it's just going to cost you so much more to make your own product cuz you know, the stuff you can buy is just going to be cheaper. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people who love that hobby of making their own products. 
Well, it's like people who make their own beer, right? Or their own mead. The, the setup's quite extensive. I, I think it's therapeutic. I think it's fun. Uh-huh. I think it is really just self-fulfilling in a way to say, I've created this for my body and I got to choose what was in it. It's pretty cool. Sometimes it's not about the efficacy. It's the holistic process. Right. And there's a there's also a self-satisfaction of, you know, I created this thing and I'm using it. Yeah. Now, uh, just to just to wrap that up, w- remind us, what is your uh, website again? Is that simply-ingredients.com? It's simply-ingredients.com. The company is Simply Ingredients. And really, it's a, a creative outlet of mine. A lot of people have hobbies. My hobby is ingredients. And it's the beauty brains. Like, this is the kind of stuff I love doing. And it's a way for me to show the world ingredients that I think are really special. You know, I work for one of the world's biggest hair salon brands and I come across so many cool things and I get to share them with the world through this outlet and it's it's really incredible. Yeah, well, very cool. I encourage everyone to go check that out. Yeah. And I, we already have some Brains fans buying ingredients, making products and oh, I've been fun. really grateful for their support. Yeah, so it's it's cool. Well, I can't wait till I get to California. We're going to do like a little make cosmetics course. So that'll be fun. We are. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's do some beauty science news. Well, Valerie, uh, you were absent last week. I was. I was stuck in traffic. Traffic is back, everyone. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it took me three and a half hours almost wow. to get home last week. And I just messaged Perry and I was like, I, I'm i not going to make the show. Like, I can't. I'm about to blow my brains out by putting my mouth to the tailpipe. It was awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Valerie, one of the stories that I talked about last week uh, was the Johnson & Johnson recalling their sunscreens. And I did a combination of Science News and our recall segment. But uh, I know a bunch of people have still asked us about this uh, on Instagram, and uh, I just want to see if you had anything to weigh in about this recall. Well, I think, um, you know, that con- uh, Consumer Watch Group did that study. They released the information and published the brands they tested. And I think it's interesting that people are recalling, and I think a lot of that is due to consumer pressure. I have yet to see any further investigations, further uh, information, further challenging of the report that was done. I, I just think it's really interesting. We went from this study came out to we're recalling products. Yeah, I think I look at the the moves that Johnson & Johnson has done, and they generally, with the exception of like, well, not even the exception of baby powder. Uh, generally, when Johnson Johnson, when there's like any question thing, they just capitulate right away. And so here's a case where, you know, the benzene probably is not uh, a health hazard, but it's perceived as a health hazard. So, you know, what's it to them? Johnson Johnson, oh, I'll just recall it. It's interesting, some of the other brands by smaller brands that had uh, benzene detected. You didn't see any recalls from them. So, No, yeah, it's just really interesting. And it's not about who's right or wrong. I just feel like we made a really big leap. And it's like, hey, what kind of happened on this further in- in investigation? And I, I think a lot of it is perceived damage control responding to uh, these people making proclamations versus having some real investigation and outcome and what are next steps. And I think 
had Johnson and Johnson published some of that information and maybe they have, I haven't seen it. I think that would maybe help even some of the smaller brands that were included in that study make some next steps. But I wouldn't recall based off one like consumer watchdog report. Uh, I would say, Hey, here's my information. And I would make a big daggone splash about it. Yeah. Well, you also have to figure there was that lawsuit. So maybe that had some impact on it. And I have to believe that the fact that J&J did recall the products, they must have had some evidence or data that said, yeah, there's a little benzene in here. Or they don't want to fight it. I don't know. It's really, right, yeah, really hard to tell. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep you guys posted if anything changes. Um, but another piece of news, I know we mentioned it very briefly a handful of episodes ago or less, acquisition, Unilever buying Paula's Choice. And I just remember being really floored seeing this not I mean I wasn't like too surprised but I always felt like Paula's choice was this independent spirit and slowly over the years we saw that change we saw them come out with their own supplement brand what right uh and then Unilever bought them and it's like okay they're they're just totally mainstream now so um but it got me thinking, Perry, uh, I've actually never been uh, working for a brand that has gone through acquisition. In fact, the brand I work for has a trust uh, and they, mm-hmm. they will not sell. Uh, everything's oh. placed into a trust for like 360 years or something crazy like that. All public information. And uh, so I won't go through an acquisition. But what happens to a brand when they get acquired, Perry? You've lived through this. Unilever is not I... Unilever to you. <laughs> Right. Uh, well, I lived through a few of these. Um, actually, I worked for a company named Alberto Culver, and they were acquired by Unilever. But that was after I left. So, so I was not involved in that. But when I was at Alberto Culver, we actually acquired a bunch of brands. And probably the biggest one we acquired was St. Ives. Now, St. Ives was a brand that was started by a contract manufacturer out in California. And the oh, thing about now it's making sense. I know you've told me this story before. You've also yeah. told me the story and our audience's story about how you had to go source these Swiss botanicals because it turns out there were none in the product. And exactly. now it's making sense because I'm like, why wouldn't you just have formulated it that way from the get go? It's because you guys acquired it. Exactly. So what happens is when you acquire a brand, now the brand, of course, you acquire it because it's been growing, right? And it's 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 usually it's a smaller brand than you're used to, but it's been having, you know, great growth. And so when you buy a brand as a big company, you buy a smaller brand, you don't always know exactly what are the formulas and what is their business practices and that. And only after you close and then you get all of the stuff, what you get is their all of their sources of raw materials, you get their exact formulas, and you get essentially a red book that tells you exactly how to make the product. Well, you know, smaller companies sometimes are a little bit loosey-goosey with how they do things, right? <laughs> yeah. And that was one of the things where they were claiming we have Swiss herbs, and they didn't have Swiss herbs. They were buying herbs from New Jersey or something like that. They were just saying, oh, yeah. Swiss well, New Jersey. Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> so they're just like, yeah, that's that's it. So one of the things as a big company that you have to do is the first thing you do is when you find all of the formulas, you have to go through and make sure they're not breaking any of the regulatory rules that your company follows. 
And of course, the smaller companies almost always are breaking some kind of regulatory rules uh, because, you know, there's nobody watching um, the formulas. Because sometimes following regulations can get in the way of growth. And and this comes in with, with claims sometimes. Yeah, it's all um, about a risk assessment, right? What happens if we say this? Oh, the penalty is not too bad. Cool, we'll just, you know, proceed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We'll take a chance. And that's or, any business, not just small businesses. Everything's absolutely. a risk assessment. Right, absolutely. But like a smaller company might say they want to say preservative free. Well, they got preservatives in their surfactant, and oh, we didn't actually that we didn't actually put the preservative in there, so they just leave it off, which is not what a big company would do. But small companies might do that. So that's not either way. It's not right. But uh, so anyway, when a big company buys a small company or a smaller brand, you generally have to go through and clean up the formulas, which is why also why when you when the, a big company buys one a, a smaller brand, the formulas do tend to change a little bit. They also change for uh, economies of scale. I remember when Procter & Gamble bought um, Herbal Essences, and if you look at the Herbal Essences before the acquisition and then after, they kind of switched all the herbal essences to like the same base formula as Pantene, <laughs> so which probably saved them a ton of money. And they knew Pantene, you know, people like Pantene. So essentially herbal essences was Pantene, but with a different fragrance and a different color. <laughs> but, you know, that probably saved them a lot of money. And, you know, people still like the formulas. I had a friend who did work at Alberto Culver uh, during the no. acquisition. She said you were a celebrity there. Oh. <laughs> and, I was a bit of a character. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, uh, you know, said it was called Unicleaver behind closed doors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it just really chopped up the company. So that can they, happen, they too. Absolutely Sometimes it's adverse. And it's acquisition for, um, you know, I always thought it was interesting if a company's doing something right and being very successful doing what they're doing, why interrupt that? And I feel like just from friends that have worked at places that these large conglomerates have acquired, they really do kind of try to morph them into like a Unilever model or a P&G model, and, which is great. But one thing I've always admired actually about Estee Lauder is that they recognize that businesses that they acquire do things well for a reason and they kind of yeah. let them do their thing. Uh, which is at least that's how it appears from the outside, and that's always pretty cool. I look at when Clorox bought Burt's Bees. You know that that was kind of a disconnect. Yeah, it, it was seemed like, like eh. completely different companies, but they pretty much let Burt's Bees kind of just be on their own and, and do what they want. <laughs> be on their own. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I didn't even know I was doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I something I've seen, I've heard, and of course, uh, fans on our Instagram and my personal Instagram have been uh, asking me, OGX, that brand you always see in the mass marketplace, they're under this lawsuit. Is it legitimate or is it BS? Against, uh, it's because their shampoos contain DMDM Hydantoin. Which Actually, o- you got- OGX, but just as an okay. aside, OGX used to be called Organics with Organic with an X. Yeah, but I remember that. the lawyers in California were like, hey, you can't do that. <laughs> so that's when they changed to OGX. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so if you guys remember, and you've been longtime listeners of the show, you may remember uh, people once got upset that. Tresemme contained DMDM Hydantoin a long time ago, and more recently, Curl was in the hot spot for that. So I think this uh, 
these allegations against OGX for DMDM Hydantuin are uh, frivolous. And I think it's, you know, more or less writing off the tailcoats of Diva Curl, which is writing off the tailcoats of Tresemme um, in, in causing hair loss because of that preservation. Right. First, there's no evidence that DMDM hydantuin in the levels used as a preservative cause anything. I think it was generally uh, happened because there was a lawsuit against Suave. They had a keratin treatment, That's right, yeah. which also had DMDM hydantuin in it. And rather than go through the court, uh, the Unilever just settled that Suave lawsuit, paid like eight million bucks. Which you know, what two million went to the law, the lawyers. I'm in the um, wrong profession. Right, and and then Tresemme happened to have a keratin one, and uh, they sued them. Now that 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 suit has not gone forward, but I gotta figure they just figured um, Unilever would just settle because they did settle for Suave. Maybe they would settle for Tresemme. OGX was just, I think they were bought by somebody. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not too much up and up on the mass market hair care space. Yeah, OGX was actually acquired by Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> so oh this gosh. is another lawsuit that Johnson & Johnson is having to go through. Yeah, their legal team's like, just settle. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I, I got to figure. Someone's like, we can get this big company to settle if you hit them with all these little lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Hopefully they don't because DMDM is a good preservative uh, although it's kind of on the outs now you know everyone's going to methyl isothiazolinone which is also a, a can be an irritant i mean it's crazy yeah you yeah, know no, um it's... perry while we've been talking i actually was a- applying a product to the skin around i saw my eye yeah area. right around the, yeah, the yeah. crow's feet there <laughs> and you know i have to admit um I was totally against buying this product because uh, we basically had a good laugh about it. And one of our Uh, listeners was like, LOL, but no, seriously, you should buy it. And so I was like, okay, I'll buy it and I'll check it out and see what's happening. Was this the one from outer, was this the one from outer space? (laughs) No, it's not the space product, but like, by the way, I might buy that. Just, you know, I have to wait till Mr. (laughs) Cosmetic Chemist is on vacation or something. Uh, but it's the Nyad Fractionated Eye Contour Concentrate, which is a big mouthful. And that was the one that uses modern drone delivery mechanics to <laughs> deliver. Oh. Do you remember that one? I do, yes. Modern do. drone delivery. By the way, guys, Perry and I actually thought we may talk in our relaxing voices for the podcast. Yeah. What would you think of this that if a... the whole episode was about Nyad Fractionated Eye Contour Concentrates and good vibes? Hi. This is the uh, beauty brand sponsored by NPR, your local NPR station. <laughs> he has <laughs> Please, such a good uh, voice, go right, our, guys? Uh, go to our uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash thebeautybrands, and you can, sub- you can donate to uh, keep the show advertising free. <laughs> With good content and uh, good information and, yeah. Totally unbiased. All right. Well, so what about this product? I saw it's like got eyedropper things and you were putting it under your so, eyes. So, yeah, it's um, an amber glass bottle with a dropper, um, you know, which is pretty common for these small serums. And, you know, it's pretty sticky for me. It's hard to get past the stickiness, um, but I'm using it. I cannot believe I paid this amount of money for it, but I did it because of one of our beloved fans. So uh, we'll see what happens. And you know what? 
you know what? I might do Perry. I might apply a product every episode and we'll just see what happens. Oh, okay. So this this product is you say it's sticky. It it's pretty sticky. It's hard to get past. I would never wear this during the day. It reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. What is brown and sticky? This sounds like a terrible joke. What's the answer? A, a stick. <laughs> All right, let's head to some beauty <laughs> science questions. <laughs> Who's our fr- first question from, Perry? This one comes to us from Beck. She says, hi, Beauty Brains. I'm from the Sunshine Coast in Australia. I absolutely love your show. In It's my favorite podcast. Yay. Oh, thanks. And just wanted to thank you both for the time and effort you put into bringing us weekly episodes, as well as the special events for the patrons. So I have two questions. My question is, I've been using two products lately that are marketed as barrier repair serums. Both contain copper tripeptide 1. I know that as a raw product, GHK copper is a blue powder or sometimes a blue solution. I've also seen raw products that are a blend using it, and they are also blue or blue color. Both of my serums are clear, so I'm wondering why might that be, and how does this affect the marketed claim of the ingredient in the products? Mm. And then she gives the uh, products there. Um, So, yeah, you know this ingredient, right? GHK copper? Yeah, it is a... It has a lot of great data behind it by a few suppliers for um, decreasing facial wrinkles. It's an excellent anti-aging ingredient. A lot of people really swear by by people, I mean brands. And the thing about it is it has actually a really low use level. So the first thing I think when you have this blue ingredient and then your end product doesn't even have a tinge of blue, the first thing I think of is use level. Someone's really not using a lot, but these peptides have really low use levels. So um, it's not like I would expect the end product to be blue. Um, I, I think, of course, this peptide's diluted in a small amount, but the use level is low to begin with. So I wouldn't necessarily think in this instance, it's a negative. Um, The reason it's blue is because of the copper ion. A lot of copper-based ingredients do have a blue to greenish tinge, depending upon the pH of the final product. And that's why the raw material is blue in itself. It has to do with the copper. So one would think, oh, well, the end product should be blue, and that won't necessarily be the case based on use level. Yeah, it could be used at a really low level. The other thing that could affect the color is the color of some of the other ingredients mm-hmm. in there. Uh, if the other ingredients are, I don't know, say yellow, that kind of cancels out a blue. Orange, uh, orange is the complementary color to blue. Oh, <laughs> orange, <laughs> orange, <laughs> orange. You glad I didn't say banana? <laughs> yeah, that one is also a complementary, and that could uh, offset that. So that's another uh, possibility. Um, you know, using a low level. The other possibility also is that companies that do have a blue product, they know that people kind of expect copper to have a blue color. So they actually color the product blue, yeah. whereas it maybe it's not even supposed to be blue. So um, I, I think that's more likely the case with most products that are already blue. So the bottom line is it doesn't have to be blue for it to work. 
um, because these, these signal peptides, uh, theoretically, if they penetrate deep enough, they're going to help to stimulate uh, collagen production. There's the production. caveat Perry had. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> Perry's saying this might work. And then he's like, oh, theoretically. Theoretically. It's, it, there's, there is a possibility that it does. Yeah. I'm skeptical, especially if it's not blue. But, <laughs> but if it is blue, it could just be a color. Yeah, so, and if you anyway. if you love the products anyway, just keep going. I mean, you know, these yeah. peptides, typically peptides have a u- low use level, especially copper tripeptide 1, uh, GHKCU. So don't worry about it. Keep using them. If you enjoy them, um, keep going. Do it. And hope it hope and... it works. You know, that's the, that's the one thing. Perry, people always ask why I got into hair. And I just say, you know, hair either looks good or it doesn't. Skin, you're like, right. you know, I hope 20 years from now using this serum paid off. Right. I really hope. Exactly. It's a, it's, it's definitely the long game, yeah. <laughs> which is what makes me very skeptical because it's so easy for a company to build a story for a moisturizer. And it's really just a moisturizer and, and you know. Two years from now, there's really no impact on your skin, but you wouldn't know it. So yeah. that's you know yeah. that's that's what fuels some of my cynicism about the technology. Now, Beck had another question, uh, mm-hmm. and as a patron, you know we're gonna answer however many questions he sends in. So she says, my second question is: after going down a rabbit hole investigating peptides. Yes, Perry, I know how you feel about and them. Everybody knows <laughs> after the last question, theoretically, <laughs> right. but continue. I came across a brand called Lemieux. Oh, I know Lemieux, yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do, I do. It's Peppy Lemieux. I've seen their products pop up here and there on social media, but have never looked into their products. They are some really great combinations of ingredients, and I was interested in trying their products until I noticed they listed hyaluronic acid as the first ingredient on many of their products. What? I was really suspicious about this, and you actually brought it up in the in episode 268 as to what this formulation might be. Literally, the next day, I saw an influencer rave about how they use HA as their master ingredient instead of water. I was a bit bummed. These look like nice products. So what are your thoughts on this? And she includes the ingredient list, which the first ingredient is hyaluronic acid. Wow. wow. Yeah. Now, how would you possibly do that? Well... You know, um, I actually um, like the Lemieux products. I think they are really elegant yet simplistic at the same time. And I, I know them from a lady who used to work at a spa, and she really loved these products as well. And f- now, let me ask you this: Are these? Uh, is this a celebrity brand, Mario Lemieux? Or are these <laughs> his? Uh, he was, no. No. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no hockey fans out there. <laughs> that was terrible. That was really terrible. So um, I actually have never, you know, believe it or not, I've never looked too closely at their ingredient listings, but I have always um, enjoyed using their products. And you know who actually kind of reminds me of them? Uh, the Dr. Barbara Sturm products uh, always oh, really? reminded me of this Lemieux twist where they're just really yeah. simple and they're really elegant and pretty feeling. But uh when you kind of look at the the science or the claims, it's like, huh? Um, well, this I'm looking at this ingredient list, and there's something not quite right here. For, I'm disappointed, I mean, first, and I'm like, Valerie, I cannot believe you've never looked too closely at the ingredient list on this product. Um, 
I just don't understand how hyaluronic acid can be the first ingredient. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Even using the, the tiniest of amounts of a hyaluronic acid that you have to disperse is very thick. Yeah. Well, over 2% hyaluronic acid in water is going to be a solid. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't yeah. put anything Even else in. Even I sell a hyaluronic acid blend um, on Simply Ingredients, mm-hmm. and I list a composition breakdown. The first ingredient is water because I wanted right. to sell an easy-to-use predispersed hyaluronic acid for people to just sure. throw and not have to worry about how to uh, – to make it themselves. And the first ingredient is water. Uh, I just don't know how this company can have hyaluronic acid as the first ingredient. Even if it's a solution, the first ingredient when you do the composition breakdown is still water. I think that's the key here is that the company just is using a solution of hyaluronic acid and they mistakenly just leave out the water piece. Sometimes you see companies do that when they put aloe vera gel in their product, right? They make an aloe vera gel solution with water, and they just ignore the water and say, oh, this is aloe vera juice. I mean, if you look at this ingredient list, they have sodium carboxymethyl beta-glucan. That's You're going to have to dissolve that in some sort of water or something. It's... Uh, yeah, like all of these ingredients are going to have to be in some sort of water solution. And here's the thing. I've looked at multiple products on their website, and guess what almost every ingredient list starts with? Hyaluronic acid or it's water? Incre- <laughs> Hyaluronic acid. It's so incredible. Oh. How did they do this? Boy, well, uh, their, They're pretty their good. regulatory department is a little dodgy, as it were. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, you know what, Beck, I'm sorry that we didn't have better news uh, about this product. First of all, if you like it, and by the way, I think they have really elegant products. Um, Sure. Of course, keep using it. I'm disappointed that they seem to have a failing uh, ingredient listing. Um, In fact, they actually seem to be missing water in their ingredient list, like they don't need to add it. Um, But you know, keep using it. I actually think these products feel really nice and I think they have a great price point for what they are. And P.S. I'm obsessed with Australia and Perry and I are going to uh, do a tour there next year. Oh yeah. Love love to. (laughs) Just kidding. Perry (laughs) doesn't know. But surprise, (laughs) Beck, will you host us somewhere and we'll do a live? Um, I mean, the Sunshine Coast sounds amazing, right, Perry? Which, Which side is the Sunshine Coast? You know, I feel like the sun is always shining in Australia, so it could be so anywhere. Um, well, perhaps one of our Australian listeners will let us know which side. Is it the east or west side that's the sunshine? Yeah, place? and they'll help us set up our tour. Um, Perry, you don't mind, right? You'll go. You've been. I've been to Australia, and I wasn't there long enough. I, w- I got to go to Sydney and Canberra, um, but I could I was only there for like 10 days. I could have been there longer. Well, we're going to go. And we're going to do a tour for our fans in Australia. And now we're going to play an audio question. Hi, uh, my name is Amanda and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Yay, Perry. Okay. I'm new to your podcast and I'm loving the info. So thanks, you guys. Keep it going. I have a question about a specific product. IGK High Shine Gloss. 
I love how it feels, how it makes my hair feel, but um, it's a bit expensive. And so I was looking at the ingredient list, and after listening to some of your podcasts, I thought, well, it might not be anything special, um, and there might be a less expensive option out there. So my question is two parts. Do you think all the ingredients are smoothing and moisturizing for hair? And two, is there a similar option out there that might be cheaper? I did try to do a search uh, for similar ingredients myself, but haven't found a product that lists the same like top three, dimethicone, sorbitol, and propylene glycol. Okay, you guys, uh, thanks so much. Appreciate you guys so much. I just enjoy the podcast a lot. I hope you guys all have a happy holidays. Bye-bye. Happy holidays. Perry, when did you get this message? Uh, I don't think it was December. <laughs> Easter, maybe? Oh <laughs> it, was recent. it was recent. Recent. Well, thank you, Amanda. And, uh, you know, thanks for the shout out for my lovely city, my fair city here in Chicago. So I looked at the formula ingredients. Yeah, water. Uh, water, at least they're putting water properly first. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but then mm-hmm. dimethicone, sorbitol, and propylene glycol. I feel like sorbitol and propylene glycol kind of are doing the same thing. They're both humectants. And dimethicone is a silicone. It would seem to me, you know, these are this is a pretty standard uh, conditioner, right? The hinter ammonium chloride is the other. I'm actually familiar with most of the IGK portfolio. And um, I think they can have okay products. I personally don't like the brand because uh, not this product, but a lot of their products are in um, bag on valve or aerosolized type formulations. And I generally don't like those because of the uh, either the lack of recyclability of the product or um, propellant. But um, this product actually has some really good ingredients in it that I like to reach for as a chemist. And, uh, of course, first of all, dimethicone, that really makes the feel of the product. Um, which is why I think if you're looking for an alternate, you're, you should look for something that has dimethicone in it as one of the top ingredients to get you that slippy, glossy, uh, really rich feel. And in fact, this product I think is called expensive, uh, high shine (laughs) gloss treatment, so uh, I don't know that it should be expensive, but it has uh, the illusion, right? Dimethicone is a really luscious, lubricious ingredient. Well, I have to say I'm a little surprised dimethicone is this high in the ingredient list. It's the second ingredient. Typically, you're going to find dimethicone in a formula after something like cetyl alcohol or sterile alcohol, which those are in probably, I don't know, four, three or four percent. Dimethicone, once you get above one percent, two percent is pretty high at dimethicone. And I, I think it's diminishing returns the more you put in. Um, so I'm a little surprised to see dimethicone that high in this list. Well, it is a rinse out product. So I'm not surprised it's too high um, because you want that yeah. really good luscious feel. The thing that's really doing the conditioning is, of course, the behinge harmonium chloride. What's giving it that good rinsey feel um, and it also is part combination, this dimethicone, but uh, the propylene glycol gives a good rinsey feel in the shower. And then one of the things I think that really does a nice conditioning job is silicone quaternium 16. I actually really like this ingredient. It's kind of, yeah. uh, I feel like an unsung hero um, in products because it's just like, oh, it's a silicone, it's a quad, like 
what's going on, and um, I think it leaves the hair feeling really nice. Yeah, and it's, it's so it's a, essentially a silicone that is also going to electrostatically bond to the hair mm-hmm. in the same kind of way that the you know betaine trimonium chloride will. So uh, it's just a different. It's going to give you a different silicone feel. Yeah, and it just has like a lot of other stuff that's probably really not relevant um, to the formulation. Um, a lot of things. Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot of those. <laughs> a lot of things that you could probably ignore. So the heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, would be the dimethicone and the propylene glycol and the sorbitol for that in-shower experience. And then the behentrimonium yeah. chloride and the silicone quaternium 16 for conditioning. And everything else is kind of like, I think, take it or leave it. Yeah. And like I said, uh, if you could find a dimethicone um, lower in the label list, but still kind of get kind of the same impact. Um, so... I mean, we generally don't have a specific brand to look for, but these are pretty common ingredients you could find in conditioners. Yeah. And I feel like, too, this is something where if you had a conditioner you liked, but you wanted to take a little silicone-based styling serum, maybe like a Paul Mitchell Super Skinny Serum and pump it in, you'll get that dimethicone-type feel and all the benefits from your conditioner. So it could be an interesting way to turn an ordinary conditioner into something special with that dimethicone. Yeah. And it's, we're not saying that the ordinary has conditioners now, but we were talking just like a typical one. <laughs> yeah. Here's the next question from Tina. Another audio question. Hello, beauty brands. This is Tima from Maryland. And I have a question about a product called Gentle Foaming Face Wash from Skin Laundry. When I look at the ingredients, they appear to all be related to what is in shampoo, but it's a really nice conditioner. So I looked on INCI Decoder to try to find another product with the same, at least five ingredients that are listed after water, and I couldn't find any. This product was listed on Sephora for $2.99 out, um, and now it's not there anymore, but the Skin Laundry website has it at $4.48 an out. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the top ingredients in this product. Thank you, and I really enjoy your show. Okay, what do we got here? So, Perry, I don't know if you know this. Oh, my gosh, when you come to Los Angeles, I am taking you to Skin Laundry. So Skin Laundry is not just a brand. It is a, I'll call them a spa. Uh, They do these facials, and they're not really facials. Uh, Basically, your face is heated up with a really hot laser, and I feel like it boils all of the blackheads out of your skin. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Yeah, it's like so hot. It's like not right for my skin type whatsoever. (laughs) And and then they kind of put some lotion and toner on you, and you uh, head your way out. It's a laser facial, and they have all of these... Um, support products to go with them and uh, that is skin laundry and that's uh they have like skin soothing products since you burned your face off <laughs> yeah well I, I mean kind of oh my gosh we have to go it, it's just so interesting right. I went a few times and I was just like I kind of like my regular facials but it's really an interesting <laughs> experience nonetheless so yeah yeah but their products I think are actually pretty good um you know they use the products in the session and then um they have some products set up like in the back bar at least pre-covid they did when i would go and i I always thought they were really really beautiful products um 
Nice. Well, this product that Tina was asking about uh, features water and then some pretty standard detergents, right? Sodium lauryl methyl isothionate, uh, which I think we brought up in the show mm-hmm. before, and uh, we're neither were big fans of it. But well, you not know, for it's a hair. Fine enough... We're not fans for hair, but I think it's a really right. gentle skin surfactant. Right. Body washes is great. Uh, Cocomidal propylbetaine, a pretty standard secondary surfactant, as is sodium methyl cocoyl torate, and then another cocoyl isothionate. Boy, they really were trying, they were trying hard to get around not using sulfates. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course you have glycerin and acetylbetaine for humectant C. Um, and conditioning yeah. on the skin. And I think PEG 50 shea butter uh, is more to help thicken the mixture than anything. And sodium yeah. PCA and panthenol are great for skin. So I would expect this product to have a very creamy foam. Not a lot of foam, but very creamy. The, creamy the foam and that gentle. Yeah. 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 There you go. Um, but you know what product this kind of reminds me of? I think it was a Dove body wash that it was more of a cream than it was a, a foaming wash mm-hmm. and something like that. Or the Olay has a a ribbons body wash too. Mm-hmm. The same sort of deal. Oh, I don't uh, know that one. Mm-mm. Yeah, it well, it looks like it's a manufacturing nightmare since they have like ribbons wrapped up all the way through it, but. Uh, when you squeeze it out, it's almost like a lotion, and when you put it on, it's very, very light foaming, but, you know, it theoretically is cleaning your skin. So if you're looking for other options, those might be a possibility. Yeah, I, I would look at the first handful of ingredients that you have here. I don't have uh, a really direct offset duplicate to this off the top of my head, but the first five ingredients that they're using water, obviously, unless you're Lemieux, right. uh, sodium lo- loroyal <laughs> methyl isethionate, cocoamidopropyl betaine, sodium methyl cocoal tori, and sodium cocoal isethionate. If you just go to the Skin Laundry website, those ingredients are right there when you click down. That's a yeah. really popular chassis or combination of surfactants that cosmetic chemists are using to get this really creamy, gentle cleanser. So I would just look for those ingredients, maybe at Ulta or uh, Target, and try to find things that have a similar ingredient list. Just doing a quick Google search, you can find things that contain a couple of them at varying price points. So I'm not sure uh, what you're looking to uh, to get, but it's a very popular combination. So you should be able to yeah. find uh, a bunch of them. Certainly the... F- the first two, the methyl isothionate and the cocomidopropylbetaine, that's a pretty popular body wash uh, blend. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that helps. But yeah, they have they have great products. I, th- I think they're really nice, simplistic, um, and I think they go a long way. So the price point's not too terrible. Um, but yeah, I would look for those first five ingredients. And if you go to L.A., you can burn your face off there. It's really uh. just... I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like I feel all these little blackheads heating up and kind of exploding out of my face. Boom. (laughs) Boy, you are, you're really selling it. I I have to get there. Oh my gosh. And I'm recording every moment of it. I hope it's not too awkward. Anyway, our last question, Marina asks, could you let me know your opinion about anti-graying ingredients like Arcolis, Darkenil, or Gravers? 
Do you think that they could represent some kind of danger? As we know, the hair graying is also defense against ROS intracellular damage. That's reactive oxygen species. What is your opinion about these kinds of ingredients? Thank you very much. Well, me personally and generally, I don't believe these anti ingredients are effective on humans um, right because if you on, look at some of the studies the in yeah. vitro testing's pretty impressive yeah i think one of the one of the challenges that i when i see these anti-aging anti-graying ingredients it, one of the problems that, that makes your hair stop getting color is that the melanocytes stop producing melanin right mm-hmm and so maybe an ingredient like this can re-kickstart that melanin production. One of the other problems, though, is that the melanocyte will kind of move, and it's no long, It's still producing melanin, but it's no longer injecting it into the hair fiber. And a, a technology like this is not going to help that. <laughs> and so that's one of the issues here. So some of the gray... Uh, hairs, it's, it's not going to, this technology couldn't even in principle solve it. So that, that was one of my areas of skepticism there. Um, additionally, I did look into the safety mm-hmm. information about these ingredients and these are mostly peptides and they have, you know, they've been determined to be safe, at least as far as the CIR is concerned. So, you know, I don't really think they represent much of a danger. I, I just don't think you're actually going to see the effects that you're hoping for yeah as i I mentioned a moment ago a lot of the testing is done and by the way i just haven't been given presentations by you know marketing teams and sales teams from ingredient companies i've actually met some of the scientists who have worked on this stuff and sure sure there really is some great data you know when they're working in lab and uh in vitro and on tissues and then you get to the real life photos and I'm like looking really close and then my <laughs> eyes are getting closer and I'm like, am I seeing? I don't really know. So um, I think a lot of times you can have these things show effects in a lab in vivo, ex vivo, and then you get to real life and it's like, mm. something does get lost in transitions, right? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I feel like this is one of them. Gray hair, the reason hair grays is so complex for a multitude of reasons, and I don't think we fully understand it, and I just, I don't know. You know, I'm good without it. Yeah, and you know, we already make hair colors for people. (laughs) No, like I literally make hair colors. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Literally. Well, but the, one of the, the other things I want to point out is that if these things actually work, this is not a benefit that a cosmetic would technically be allowed to have. Mm. Uh, for example, Graverse, it's based on an ingredient called uh, palmitto tetrapeptide 20 amide. Amid? Uh, anyway, the company claims the following. They say their mode of action, that it stimulates melanin synth- synthesis. Mm. Well, th- right there, that would be an illegal well, drug. Well, just tickle my melanin, won't you? Right. <laughs> Uh, and then it says it favors melanin transfer from melanocytes to keratinocytes and improves catalyst activity and reduces excessive hydrogen peroxide. Mm-hmm. Mm. That That's but an old the, area of research in hair color, catalase. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then another thing, it says it stimulates hair pigmentation and reverses the graying process. Another drug claim. I just so... don't want to be stimulated by my products. Right. I, I don't mean to be rude. I just, I don't like that term. It's like people don't like the word moist. I don't like the word stimulate. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I look at these technologies and um, the the brand doesn't really provide any of the studies it's just kind of the marketing graphs and things so you know this would be an extraordinary claim extraordinary product if it really did what it said and you know without extraordinary evidence i'm skeptical of extraordinary claims i will say this though as the persistent devil's advocate we do know that stress leads to gray hair and I've got quite a Stress few does, peeping yeah. out little really wiry things from all the raw material crises that are going on in the world. <laughs> well, and... I see there's none coming through the little uh, video here. Yeah, so. oh, you're <laughs> yeah. so good. You hide it well. Yeah, but, um, you know, to me, these products um, are used when you are in a ritual in your bathroom or your home and... You're like, I hope this works. And if it can do anything to lower stress levels and make people feel good about themselves and the the product is safe to use, why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, sometimes the placebo effect is everything. I mean, literally, it's everything sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Well, you won't get a disagreement from me there. (laughs) Oh, gosh, Perry. Well, that is all we have time for everyone yeah thank I, you hear for the, listening. I hear the music yeah going there. yeah you said thanks for listening mm-hmm. oh, okay say it again thanks again everyone for listening you know valerie the beauty brains are on patreon are. and if you want to help support the show and keep us ad free go to patreon.com slash the beauty brains and subscribe if you guys also get a chance please head over to op- apple Apple Podcasts and leave Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That will help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. We're also on Spotify or Stitcher. I think uh, you can you can review us there too. Great. I I think <laughs> who knows. And if you have a question, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com and you may get your voice on the show. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at TheBeautyBrains2018. On Twitter, we're at TheBeautyBrains. And we have a Facebook page. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens! <laughs>